let's say you have like, you know, you can win like the lottery with a caveat that you have to like go somewhere off the grid in the next five hours. You know, you have like five hours to pack your bag and go. <laughs> Are you saying, oh my God, is there like a hermit lottery? A secret hermit lottery? You are correct. It's better to get to win the lottery than it is to get hit by a bus. I'll take that. That's right. Welcome to the What's Your Baseline podcast. In this show, we talk about our experiences and lessons learned in enterprise architecture and business process management. What's Your Baseline is designed to be for everyone. Newbies who are just getting started with these topics, organizations who want to improve their EA and BPM groups and the value they get from it, as well as practitioners who want to get a different perspective and care about the discipline. Each episode will tackle different key topics, providing context, background, best practices, and stories from the road, inviting you to learn from our challenges and successes, and demonstrating key tools to help you set up your practice and get the most out of it. I'm your host, Roland Wold, and I'm joined today by my co-host, J.M. Erlinson. Hey, J.M., how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Roland. Just went for a nice little walk. I, I've started to really enjoy going on midday walks when I can, sort of taking my lunch hour to to walk around downtown Toronto. It's a beautiful city. Um, yes, sure, it's a concrete jungle. I understand that. But we are never very far away from a park. So there's some really nice parks in downtown Toronto. And the lake. I, I grew up near Lake Ontario, which is a sort of a staple in Toronto. And boy, I love visiting the lake. It just something about it really, really hits home for me. What's the thing you like in your area that when you get a second, you walk to? Oh, actually, I was just thinking the, the other way. You know, I was just thinking this is one of the perks that you have being an employee of a large firm, you know, and I'm, I'm just thinking <laughs> about all those those small businesses who have to work day in, day out, you know, and, and maybe not have the luxury of walking around uh, at, on midday, wow. you know, JM. Wow. Shade on me for <laughs> taking my lunch hour. I know. Yes. I, as a note, I also do run a small business, so it's not, I'm not completely foreign to that. And I grew up in a small business where you were on all the time, but I, I think there's something really important about making sure that when you are on, you are entirely on and taking a, a moment here and there to clear your head means that every moment you're working is so much more valuable. But you know what? One thing that, that you miss when you have a small organization is thinking about how you run your business, you know, how to, to mm -hmm. professionalize it and maybe how to look, how your processes run and will be documented. But yeah. don't be afraid, JM. I, I got help on my side here because today Dude. we're going to be joined by Adi Klevit, who is actually running her own firm, small business, helping other small businesses to uh, improve their processes. So welcome, Adi. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. We're happy to have you here to talk about this. I mean, I feel like a lot of our listeners, Roland, have come from the world of very big business. Yeah. So they're used to working in process teams and they're used to dealing with organizations that are bureaucratic because they've got so many moving pieces. Um, Adi, it's really exciting to have this perspective and something that's a, a close to my heart. Um, as I said, my mother used to run a small business and I did process management with her as she sort of you know, packaged it up and got it ready for sale. Um, and I think it was a, a really interesting challenge talking about that. And I'd love to compare experiences. Before we get to that, 
Uh, we'd love to know a little bit more about you. I'm sure our listeners would too. So tell us about yourself, introduce yourself and what you do today. Um, and then talk about sort of how you got there. How did you come to the, the conclusion, this is what you wanted to do for a living and what let you start the business you run today? Sure. So, you know, as you said, my name is Adi and I am a process consultant. So I have a company where we hmm. create, document and implement processes and procedures for small to medium sized businesses, businesses that are and businesses that work with us are basically fast growing companies that are lacking consistency. I like that sentence because right. it that's together, a good one. Right? We work with successful companies, companies that are expanding, growing, scaling, but they are lacking consistency. They don't have the processes together. They don't have the time to do it because they're growing so fast or they're expanding or they're moving to the next phase. And that's what we do. So how did I get started? So my background is industrial engineering. I decided to go to study industrial engineering because, you know, honestly, I was very good at science. I was good at math. I was good at like precise um, sciences. And I looked at what industrial engineering is, and it was basically a combination of science and understanding people, understanding how people, what make people do what I do or really having that mm-hmm. human element. So I like that combination of the human element and the precision and the engineering. So that's why I decided to do that. And that was almost three decades ago. And ever since I've been doing process improvement. And then I started my own company, the one I have currently have in 2011. And I basically, it was more of a general helping businesses as a business consultant. But what I found very fast is that, you know, part of having a business, you have to have well-documented processes in order for you to grow and scale. And I realized that my clients are not doing it themselves. You know, I would tell them, okay, you need to document those processes. Week will go by. Did you? No. Another week? No. So I realized that, you know, it's a need, but it's not something that people are going to stop and do because lack of time, lack of know-how lack of resources. So, okay, they need a do-it-for-you service. And that's where uh. it, the idea all came about, you know, starting from a more general um, view to very to be more specific and really um, doing that in terms of helping businesses with the documentation of their processes and the implementation as well. That is very interesting. But before we uh, dive deep into this topic, um, I guess our listeners also want to know a little bit more about you as a person. So can you talk a little bit about your hobbies are, what your bucket list items are, what your interests are, what you do if you don't do process documentation? Of course. Of course. So, you know, I live in um, Portland, Oregon, and um I'm married to Ben. We just celebrated our 25th anniversary. We're going on 26th. And um, thank you. And I have a great son. His name is Daniel. And, you know, living in the Pacific Northwest, it's a beautiful area. I know you were talking about, um, you know, Toronto and where you live. and But the Pacific Northwest, is some, it's, it's magical, right? I mean, so hiking outdoors, It's definitely a hobby of mine. I mean, I love exploring the the area. I also like traveling. I mean, that's, you know, 
I, I've been to many, many countries, but now just traveling around the area is like, I love it. I love it when I don't have to get on an airplane, but we actually can get into, like, for instance, you know, last summer we went to uh, Crater Lake, which is a beautiful, I don't mm -hmm. know if you've been there, right? I mean, it is absolutely amazing and it's so rural and so out. It's like kind of like off the grid, right? I mean, you know, you go there and you feel like you are, got transported to a whole different universe. So we went to Crater, we drove to Crater Lake and then we drove to Lake Tahoe. And that's what I love living where I do because it's very, it's very much, you have the ability to get in the car and drive to all these amazing places. So I like, I love that. Mm. I love, um, you know, working out. I love anything that has to do with health food and healthy living. I mean, it's kind of like a passion of mine to research it and find more and do more. So on that, so th those are, some of my hobbies. And, and I agree. It's really beautiful. We did. So I worked on a project on actually two projects in Seattle for one and a half years. I loved it. And uh, we did a, a trip last September there. Uh, we made it down to Portland, but we didn't make it to Greater Lake. But then drove back up, back to Seattle and stopped at Rainier. And mm -hmm. that's similar. It's in the middle of nowhere, but it's really, really beautiful. So, yep, I'm a little bit envious now. <laughs> <laughs> well you did you made some trips to the pacific northwest so. i do yes the company i work for is is also based in in portland or in a suburb of portland so yeah i've been there three times since i started with the firm yeah yep but i i the, the pacific northwest I, I loved being there when i was consulting but i remember the uh <laughs> the environment being very temperamental in the sense that you could really never predict how it was going to go one minute it's snowing the next minute it's raining the next minute it's bright and sunny i think what was the expression if you don't like the weather wait four hours yeah i don't know if it's in the pacific <laughs> northwest i think you have to wait a few days because yes it will be it depends what, what area yes i agree yeah, well, this is a really good thing. I'm glad we're getting a chance to to know you a little bit better. And I think these are these all sound like really fun things. Living in in uh, southwestern Ontario, it's it's a lot of city before it gets to be uh, country. But there is country out there, and it's really beautiful eventually. But it's nice to hear that you can just drive to all these really cool places and and see what you want. I, I'm a little envious of that. But let's get into today's topic um, because it's really good to get a chance to know you. Um, so. So, for, so you've talked about you, how you are a consultant, you run a consulting firm that focuses on small to medium-sized enterprises. Yeah. So let's start with a pitch. What, why do you do this? Why do you consult for those enterprises? Why do those size of companies need process as a focus for their growth efforts, for their sustainment efforts? What, what does it provide to them? And what what are you, what is your goal when you work with them? Okay, so definitely, um, you know, question that has many parts to it. So I'm going to start with like why. <laughs> yes. Oh, let, let's answer all the questions right at once. Ready? Let's start all with of the them. why. You no, know, my why is, you know, it's important to me to help those companies because I feel like I'm bringing order to them, right? I mean, I love entrepreneurs. I love being around people that have a dream and are able to accomplish that dream. They are usually very good at envisioning it. They are good. Um, maybe they're also good, very technicians. Like let's say if I work with a dentist, right, that decides that they are going to open many and several practices. You know, that person is very good as a business person, but also very good as a dentist. But in terms of actually the administration of the practice, you know, 
they need help with that. And that's why they come to us. And they need order. You know, you can't really grow without order, right? I mean, if you have chaos, you can grow to a certain point based on your personality or based on your charisma, based on what you like making it, glowing it right in terms of like, okay, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. And it works up to a certain point, but then it also requires the 60 hours, 80 hours a week, right? Working. I mean, you know, they being in the business all the time. So that is what we provide is an infrastructure and system. So people can also enjoy the lifestyle that they want while having a business. Yeah, that makes sense. And and it's also um, growing the maturity of the organization. You know, when you, when you typically look at those maturity models from one to five, you know, one is the individual hero and then five is everything runs like a well-oiled machine. I see the majority of our clients um, stuck in those lower levels, you know, where you have the individual hero or where you have maybe one group in a large enterprise that uh, has drunk the Kool-Aid, you know, and, and says, oh, yeah, I want to do that process thing, right? But I can imagine if you're working with a small organization that this is obviously not on their radar, right? They're looking more like, okay, how do I grow financially and how do I get the hiring of people done and whatnot? And, and the whole maturity concept seems to be abstract, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And also the, I mean, that's what, that's a sign of low maturity in an organization. If people have to burn hero level of hours in order to get basic tasks done. You know, you hear about the stories of entrepreneurs burning 80 hours a week plus on their business, making it succeed. And that sounds like a glamorous life, but that that's not a life forever. You can't live that. That's not sustainable. And if your founders, or at least your 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 you're the only people who really work in the business because it's a small medium sized enterprise, the people who are kind of, you know, pushing the 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 rock up the hill over and over again, if they run out of steam. They're all your business has until they've developed enough sustainable process and intellectual property that they can have it sustain itself. If they burn out, you're cooked. And so I, I'm, I'm suppose you're one of the things you do, I would assume, is trying to make it so that they don't get to that point and they have the structures underneath the struts to support this really cool project that they've built from nothing. Right. And the reasons why people usually say that they come to us is because they want continuity, right? I mean, it is it is also documenting and capturing the um, institutional knowledge, right? I mean, it is what the owner either created or you have a key employee that has all the knowledge, so they want to capture that knowledge. They want consistency. Uh, risk mitigation is a big one that I've been hearing lately, right? I mean, you know, you want to make sure that your processes are documented so you don't lose them. You also want to make sure that everybody gets the same level of service and that it's repeatable, repeatable, you know, you can repeat it, right? Um, it is also, you know, training and onboarding is a big one right now, like finding good employees. So I just met with somebody with a business owner that he decided to open his own, he's in the trades and he decided to open, to create his own school to teach people the trade that he's so good at because he can't mm -hmm. hire people in that trade. So he's hired people that definitely have the aptitude towards repairing stuff and mechanical aptitude, but he's teaching them his way of doing things. So that's also necessitates really good training manual. So is it is it like a, a free kick for you, if you want to put some sports analogy on this, when people approach you? Or 
is it a hard sell to your clients to say, oh, you must do this? Because when I when I think about the comparison to larger enterprises, it's typically a hard sell. Yeah, but you know, the difference is that when you go to a small enterprise, it's true. I, I understand what you're talking about. And it's more, you know, in a small enterprise, there is less of uh, stakeholders that are involved in the, in the sales process, right? So that is true. maybe yeah. what you're talking about in a, in a big enterprise, there will be like, you know, three departments says yes and one say no. And then they debate about, about it for a year until you feel, you find the answer. In a small enterprise, you know, luckily you have, it's, it's a shortest, it's still, a little bit long, but it's a shorter sales process because it really depends on the leadership team. And usually the leadership team are very close to the CEO. So it is, um, it's, it's easier, but the similarities there is the need to, to get a buy-in. You know, you need to get a buy-in from the people. And I always ask, you know, when, if I'm going to engage on this process, who's going to give me a hard time? Mm-hmm. Who would not want to do this process with us, right? right? That's what I find. That's what I'm trying to find because that person, you know, we will need to get a buy-in from that person because that person either feels like they're going to get fired because now, you know, people are, we're going to extract the knowledge and then they're not needed anymore <laughs> or looking at it as job security, or there is something that maybe, you know, if, if we really find out what they are doing during the day, we'll go like, what are they doing for 40 hours? You know, people will have different different um, worries or concerns. But when we go and do a project, you know, we get buying from the employees. We show them that it is really for them and it is not against them. And it's something that will just help them. Right. So it sounds like you, you get a little bit of pushback from some of your stakeholders um, at, at the levels of like information gathering. Good. Not on I mean, every project. Sometimes. So yeah. Sometimes you can get. Yeah. So, so here's a question. How do you convince people um, that this is worthwhile doing if they're the people being interviewed to give their knowledge and, and document things out? Like what's the pitch you not, not to the uh, executives necessarily, if you've, come to the conclusion together that this is important for the business, but what's the, what's in it for rank and file at the, at a small to medium sized enterprise? Good question. So it's really, um, it's really what's the, what's their, why, what's their, what is there for them at their level? Like if they had, yeah. I mean, that's really how I get, how I get the buy and I just interview them and I find out for them why it is important. Like if they had oh. well-documented processes and procedures, what change would that make in their position? What change would that make to how they do things, right? What change would that create in their lives? Right. Roland, this, this sounds, Roland, a little bit like the um, the change management episode we just had with uh, Jehan a couple, week, couple mm-hmm. of episodes ago. It feels like, uh, Adi, you're kind of doing change management as you do process 100%. management. 100%. Which is, which is interesting because you're kind of having to wear both hats. Like in, in, in some cases, it's a technical, you know, process focused process documentation, improvement, knowledge retention. And the other side, it's the, the soft skill and the, or, or not just soft, like the, the procedural skill of bringing people together to have a conversation around process in a way that is comfortable for them and gives them the why. Cause that's, that's ex- exactly what Jehan said is we need to find out the why. 
that's how we start. I think it's just, it's interesting. That's, that's how you started here with these people too. I mean, uh, that, that's what works because otherwise it's not, <laughs> they're not, it has to be their decision. They have to want to do that. Right. And if we, right. if we don't do that, then it's hard, you know? Right. So, so then let's, let's assuming you, you get those people to buy in, what's the pitch and this is to, to cross the board. What's the pitch, the big why behind process and process documentation? Because there are lots of ways to do risk mitigation, different types of knowledge retention. Why is the lens through which this is done in your organization based on process? Well, because I think it's, it's, it's pretty much the same. I mean, like when you are doing risk mitigation, Depends what you do on risk mitigation. I mean, you can have like a policy, like a cybersecurity policy as an example, but um, you can have, um, but part of the policy, it has to be a procedure of what happens if there is a breach in security, right? I mean, if there is a, there is an incident, what's the procedure there? How do you, you don't just call the insurance agent, you do something else, right? There, there should be a procedure for that. There should be a process for how to, do different things. So that's where we approach it from that. We approach it from that angle in terms of like, how would you then extract knowledge, right? When you extract knowledge, you want to know what people are doing and that's the procedure of what they, how they do different things. So that's how we capture it. Yeah. So, so do you see your role more as a facilitator or do you specialize in certain verticals or, or certain horizontals? And say, hey, I can help you with whatever financial processes. Or do you go there with an open mind and say, hey, I have a methodology, how to capture your processes, and I will do that for you. But actually, the content needs to come from you, Mr. Client, and you tell me what you have, and I guide you through this process. Right. So... As I mentioned, you know, we work with going concerns. We are, we are working with people that are actually with companies that are successful, that already have a method, right? So I definitely am very careful not to change anything, but really to observe what is happening and to document the current state. It doesn't mean that we don't oh. find things to improve. It doesn't mean that things do not get need to be get improved, but we're not going to force it if the client, if we already have a working methodology here. So we definitely, first of all, document current state. And then uh -huh. as needed, we can work with the client to achieve the uh, future state or an improved state. But, um, you know, in terms of um, we don't concentrate on one industry. And we don't concentrate on just one aspect of the business. We can document anything. Mm -hmm. And of course, we work with the client because the knowledge we're extracting is from the client. Right. But what we provide for them is the do it, done it for you approach, right? So instead of going there and, con I mean, we also can have consultative approach if people don't want to do the entire package. But our specialty and what our clients appreciate most is the done it for you approach. So we go to our clients and we figure out where we're going to start. And usually the area that where we start is the area that we know will get the biggest return on investment. So if we start in that area, they are going to see the fastest results, right? And investment doesn't have to be just in profit in terms of money, but it can be um, in terms of time saved, in terms of uh, people trained faster, whatever it is. So we start with that area. 
and we interview. We know how our specialty, you know, we are a group of people, it's just not just me, but our specialty is to ask the right questions, is to know where to prompt, what to ask, ask why, follow up, like they explain to us, and then we ask why. We don't just um, do technical writing in terms of like, okay, so show me how you do it in the software. What we do is we really uh, find out their why. Why is it important that you do it that way? Because if we don't also document the why, it will get lost. Because you can say, yeah. I do it A, B, and C. But if I don't explain to you why, you will come back, you will come and say, why is she doing A, B, and C? Let's do B, C, D. It's better. But then you lost like what your favorite customer loves the most and you lost that favorite customer. So it's really important to document with the why in mind and document with also the core values in mind. We always want to know the mission, the vision, and the core values of the organization. So when we document, we document in that voice. So it's not something that is foreign to that company, right? So that is really the specialty here is knowing how to ask the questions. We extract the information because we record all of our meetings and we extract it. We uh-huh. give our clients the least amount of homework because we know they're busy and we know that they already didn't accomplish writing. So why am I going to give them homework to write, right? So, so that's, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that is the approach that we take. Right. So, so I, if I'm hearing this right, you know, this, this is the kind of thing that if you're an organization looking to transform and improve, the role you would play is the often forgotten first component is understanding what's happening right now um, and giving them a, a, a solid foundation upon which to build. I, I would assume, you know, part of that why you'll see is a lot of organizations that are fast moving are only ever adding. But what they see, what they what they have is they're sort of building the rest of the house on sand and it can look really cool and it can look really shiny and no one's thought about the weight tolerances. And now you've got a whole bunch of components and your house is suddenly tilting to the left and you've never done the work because you move fast. You built well I mean, you're, you're making money. Something's working about this, but you never did the work, the homework. <laughs> to start of having all the model put together, having your procedures in line. And once again, relying on humans to to sort of bear the burden of poor or missing processes. That's really cool. I, I, I like that. Um, it, it, sounds, it sounds like a, a big challenge. And you explain that why, I'm assuming to executives, you explain that why, not as just a knowledge retention exercise, but I'm assuming you also talk to them about what it's going to provide to them in terms of the possibility for transformation. Right. How do you connect, you know, the work you do with a vision of a top line for your executive stakeholders in terms of like growth for the organization, in terms of like the transformation goals for their company? Like, do you do you bring a top line consideration to them when you look at this documentation? I mean, absolutely, because then you could first of all, you can automate some of the things, you know, it's like we look at how to automate and how to systematize. So that's mm-hmm. make it more efficient. We also use it for training. So we pull, we, we get it all the way to um, the implementation and the training and the onboarding of new employees. So it definitely has to also work with the, stri- with the strategic plan for the organization 100%. So I think that brings us, and I'm just looking at the clock um, of the episode, that brings us to the end of our first segment. Um, and 
dear listeners, when you listen to this, we want to give you a couple of seconds of pause playing, obviously, our favorite music from Jeremy Volz. Um, but we'd like to think you about, hey, what were your experiences when it comes to the topic of process documentation? And then depending, are you working in a small organization or a large organization? How have you seen this topic being approached? Uh, we leave you alone for a couple of seconds and we come back with our segment two soon. back. There's a really great first part of the interview, Eddie. This was a, a really a really interesting uh, investigation into why organizations who maybe aren't thinking about this need to start that conversation. I know a lot of people, and once again, large companies, these are these are developed disciplines. But for small to medium-sized enterprises, this hasn't been a conversation, and it's really costing. So let's talk about how we get there. In our second part of our episode, we always talk about the how. And just like you're helping organizations develop process documentation, <laughs> open up your processes for us. Let's talk about the approach. So where do we start? How are we documenting things? What do we do with it? Sure. So the first thing, and I touched upon it already in our um, conversation that we started, but when we started, but the way that we approach it is we start with a burning one. We start where it will create the biggest return on investment, right? I mean, what area in the company, right. if you had well-documented processes and procedures, will get you the biggest return on investment? And that's where we start. Do, do you identify that? Or is it something that the companies you go to say, hey, listen, we have an area in mind. Help us here. Well, sometimes it happens, but usually it's the conversation where I identify it. So we identify that area where I help them identify it. I mean, we know we partner, we ask, and mm -hmm. we, I mean, the, the, the answer will come from the client. You know, we're not there. We're not didactic, like, okay, this is what you need to do. We will recommend, but we will definitely ask. So once we identify that area, then we are going to figure out the we're going to start we started like a project you know we basically start a project right so we identify who are the key stakeholders we assign due dates we break it down so basically the first thing is we map the processes and you know we don't use any particular methodology we basically map the process like beginning to end point a to point b how do we where do we start and where do we end and what are the steps in between we try to make it very simple we know we don't include in, We don't make it complex or anything. We just want to make sure that people can tell us what they do. Yeah. Do you use a, a, a special software for this or uh, is it is a butcher block paper or or how do you do this? Yeah, it depends. It depends on the client, depends on the sophistication. Like this morning, for instance, I was working a, with a client and we did sticky notes on Miro. You know, I like that software. So it's kind of like yeah. it's, you know, and um We use one thing that we do use is we use a process documentation software. So we do do that. I don't document and put it in Google Docs or Word documents because it's really hard to find. It's hard to maintain versions. 
it's one of those when I go to the client and they tell me, yeah, we have documentation. I say, well, show me and they can't find it, right? So that's why I like <laughs> yeah. the software documentation platforms because it's easy to find, because it's easy to um, search, it's easy to maintain the versions, it's on the cloud and everybody has access. You can upload videos, you can upload documents, it's pictures, we, mm-hmm. we use it all the time. But to, back to your point, or I mean your question, so we start with that area, the burning area, we, have, we map the processes from beginning to end, and then we decide where we're going to start, and we decide who are going to be the stakeholders that are actually going to work with us. So we assign it to those stakeholders, we, make, we have meetings with them, we tell them, show me. If I were a new employee, train me. How would you train me? What would you show me? Like, I need, I need to know how to do this. You know, let's say it's, it's a baker and it's baking an apple pie. Okay, show me how you mm-hmm. bake an apple mm-hmm. pie. Where do you get the ingredients? And, ask, and I ask questions, many questions. What kind of apples? Why? Why this apple? What happens if we don't find that apple, right? I mean, where do we get the apples? Who sources the apples? What happens if that vendor doesn't exist anymore? You know, questions, questions. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a whole complete picture. And we, gra- we, we um, basically capture that, capture that knowledge and capture that how and show me. We take pictures, take videos, you know, and we create the whole procedure based on that. And then let's say we're taking this bakery and we have five bakers. So first of all, I will work with one baker, one or two, the ones you want to clone the most, the ones that have been there for a while, the ones that have the knowledge, the ones that are more process oriented and work with them. Uh Once I'm done with them, then I will um, work with, um, then what what we'll do, we'll take their processes and we'll send it to the other bakers for them to review and give us feedback. Because we do want to include the entire organization. We do want to get the feedback because maybe we forgot something. Maybe somebody does it a certain way and somebody else does it another way. And then we fig- we sit both of them together and we figure out what's the uniform way, right? So that's another thing is like sometimes, you know, like I remember a project we done with um, property management and we had nine different property managers and they all had their own ways because there wasn't the way. And one of the things that we are trying to create is, the way and in order to do that we need to actually create that and that is um what we're attempting to do and that's how we do it so actually i have two questions um on along this line so the first question is the really obvious one which is how do you know you've got all the information from a resource where do you stop so what are some markers in that conversation, and, uh, then uh, if you can answer that, and then I have a second question <laughs> to follow that up. Okay, so the first the answer first, you know, it's it's the eighty twenty rule. I mean, you know, we're never gonna get everything. I want to get enough. If I got enough, mm-hmm. I'm fine. You know, it's it will be like you know, I asked several times. I mean, are we done? I mean, do you think like we capture it all? Do you have it? Do we have it all? You know, so I definitely am in very good communication with the people that I work with. And there, the ones will say, yes, yes, you know, we, we got it. This is good. You know, we also try it. You know, we, we train new people with it and we see if there is anything missing, right? So that is also an option. So when I look at the conversations that you have, is this obviously a big problem, at least that what I experienced in the past. And, and 
about 25 years ago, I worked with one of the big European telco companies and uh, we were documenting their finance processes. And the, the process, uh, the project lead on their side says, oh, our people can't read diagrams. So we had a wonderful exercise at hand and, and I, I had to smile when we were talking about Word documents and Google Docs, because obviously, what do we use, right? Whatever the version of Microsoft Word was, 95 or so, and we were creating procedures and writing it down. And then we had the workshops and there was a lot of ambiguity in the language. You know, you could have text blocks that you could move back and forth. Oh, this is how we close out the process. And it's always the same. So you copy this and copy that. But there was that ambiguity in there. And what I wrote was not necessarily what somebody else understood when they were reading it. So how do you overcome that problem? You know, let's look at that one. What do you think caused the ambiguity? That is a very good question. Um, once you went away from whatever, press this button here, let the system software do this, um, you had some form of interpretation. You know, because the policies might be different, uh, there might be exceptions, you know, and you said, oh, when do we close out a, a customer account, for example, right? And there was tons of those. And, and it was just not, you, you couldn't be that clear, right? And then people read it. And I got a call at some point in time from a lady who says, are you in, in bed with some real estate people and I said what <laughs> yeah I have all those boxes of letters behind me and I don't know where to store them and the previous consultancy came and said we can do everything uh, electronically and I said that's great that's just not according to the law where you have to keep your records for seven years right so it's all those things and, and words in my experience are not as clear as for example a diagram right and we do diagrams we definitely have to diagram the process 100% we do do that yeah we mm -hmm. do diagram the process Mm -hmm. We um we 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 create it's it's visual. We have diagrams, we have pictures, we have screenshots, we have all of that. We even have videos, right? And mm -hmm. but the diagram is so important, and that's what the step, the second step is, because in the diagram, you know, you have you have either parallel actions that have to happen, or you have um, sequential actions that have to happen, mm -hmm. and we define those, mm -hmm. and you see it, and you absolutely. Say, but we make it also simple so people can write diagrams. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a firm believer that people are smart and they can, and they can read those diagrams. Right? Oh, I, I agree. I, I thought that gentleman was just not right. You know, it would have been so much easier to create a bunch of diagrams for those guys yeah. and, and have a software that allows you to reuse things and, and all that type of stuff. You don't have to sell me on that, but again, no, I'm, I'm with they you. decided differently. Yeah. Well, I, actually, <laughs> maybe I can be a little contrary here. Um, because by the way, I, I, I love how you're, <laughs> we're getting a little of a consultative approach with Roland here. Someone's got to put him in his place. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's right. I just, I was just like curious, like what caused it, right? I mean, I think, and that's part of it. I think it's like finding out what is causing the ambiguity or the inability to see because it shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that, right? So that's, that's all my point. I agree. Yeah. Well, the, the, the point I actually I wanted to get to here, which is something really interesting on my side. I, so I, I, I've talked about this before. I, I used to work for a, a summer camp. Um, and one of the people who ran the summer camp is a, as a mentor and a, so a lifelong friend um, who comes from the ISO world. So he's a ISO guy and, and he does inspection for like very, very heavy, heavy, heavy process. So when he came to running a summer camp for children, what do you think he did? 
Well, he built process manuals. Of course he did. But because he was working with teenagers and young 20-year-olds, his design for how he thought processes would work best was in the form of checklists. Mm -hmm. No visuals. He said, listen, if I need people to do the job and there are certain things in this job that just need to get done, I need to have something that they can take a pen and they can just put a check mark next to in the order I lay it out. No exceptions, no parallels, no no sequential. I just need to get these 15 things done in this order for this particular time. And it, I thought when I, when I first went through process management, I thought, oh, what a, what a that was kind of foolish. You know, he could have done so much more with all these visual tools. And the, the more I, the older I got, I thought, what a genius. He had, he required actually zero more than this to get exactly what he needed to get to get done every summer because the processes had to happen in exactly those ways. And he had these stakeholders who were at a level of maturity where they couldn't necessarily understand it or they weren't looking to try and understand it in a visual format. They just needed to get the things done, check them off, handle this in, and he could validate that based off the documentation style he had chosen. I was like, man, that's clever. That is very clever. And, and, and we employ both. We employ... Um, flowcharts and checklists. And I agree with you. And it's really also the example that you gave is fantastic because it's really knowing your audience. And that's why I was mentioning uh, before in terms of using the core values and the mission and the vision of the organization, because who is your audience? What, mm -hmm. What's the demographic? Who is going to read it? How are they going to use it? Don't complicate it. Don't make it complex for people that need simplicity, right? Yeah. And, and the, the, the one thing I wanted to also talk about here, and this is something you said earlier, made me <laughs> cringe a little bit in my, in my soul because I know how much of a struggle it is. You mentioned people with different perceptions of the process and relying on going through a level of experience and process-oriented thinking that helps you synthesize the, the, uh, a closer to what you want to produce earlier. But you know what's going to come next. How do you harmonize that? Because these different perceptions are going to lead to variants of your process, some of which may be true but wrong, and some of, us, some of which might be wrong and wrong. How do you make this come together into a document, a single document that you can call the way in which this company should operate? Right. Well, it depends. It's, it will require... Um, conversation. It will require like almost mediation, right? It will require sitting together and figuring out what works and what is the common denominator and what actually mm. works. And somebody will have, and that's where we also use the leadership. Like somebody will have to make a determination and also use why, like, why are you doing it this way? And why are you doing it that way? And if the answer is because we've always done it, you know, then we look at the, at the final results that we want to get to and how do we get faster to the final result? And sometimes there is no difference, you know, I, and, and we're not going to micromanage people so long as they, they get to the final result and actually use the process correctly. So that's also an option here. Yeah, I think the challenge is, and, and you mentioned it, at, at some point in time, you need a, a game uh, tiebreaker, 
right? Yeah. Because if you want to have that consensus approach, in my experience, it just works so far. Right. Um, but the question is, once you produced your, your output, uh, what do you do to uh, not only publish it, because that's more the technical term, you know, how do you get it out to the people, but how do you ensure that your documentation is actually being used? Followed by all, yeah. So the first thing that we do is we um, send it to everybody. Like after we got it approved and we have it written, then we send it to, let's say it's a department, we send it to, let's say the accounting department, we send it to the entire accounting department and have them read it. And then I follow up with a survey that I ask specific questions after they read it in terms of like, can they use it? I mean, did you see something that can be used? Would you recommend it to another person? How do you see, like, if you were trained on it, I mean, would you be able to achieve the results that you needed and really open the conversation and really engage them? I think the key is to really engage. So it's not like, here you go, this is the way we do it. But no, here we go. We put a lot of effort into it. Now we're interested in your opinion, right? So we're basically engaging everybody in the organization to be part of it and to read it and to figure out what we are doing. And then we establish a routine where those processes are being used, meaning let's say, for instance, they have a leadership team meeting or they have some kind of a meeting, departmental meeting. Then I encourage them to bring up issues or concerns or problems that happen throughout the week and then figure out how they can use the processes that we documented in order to resolve it. Because if there is a problem, it can be a process problem or a people problem, right? And then it can be both too. So let's assume it's not a, you know, people problem will be a personnel problem and it will be like a whole leadership and HR and, and all of that, right? But let's assume it's not a people problem. You hire the right people. It can be a process problem. So if it's process problem, it's either the process was not followed that can also lead to a people problem or there is no process or the process is incorrect. So that is really where I train them, you know, and I coach them. I go to their leadership meeting or to those meetings and coach them on how to resolve problems going back to those policies and the procedures that we uh, created. Because if it's missing, then there is no agreement and we have to create those procedures. If they exist, then somebody either didn't follow it or the procedure is incorrect. If they didn't follow it, why they didn't follow it, right? So that's more training. If it's incorrect, we have to then um, fix it. And it can be a combination of all of them as well. So that's so it's an ongoing putting it part of the culture. And a very, very important key and a key point here is that I need the leader, the, the, the CEO, the president, the, the founder to really be behind it. And if people come to them and ask them, how do I do this? How do I do that? Well, did you check our software? Did you check the policy? Did you check the procedures? Is it written? Uh And then send them back to look at it. So it stops that constant asking, how do I do this and how do I do that? I actually have a question about um, something you said earlier, because it it tinged on uh, this idea of performance and of of metrics. Because you didn't mention it. Yeah, at, when you were talking about setting this up, sort of selling this and, and getting it prepared, do you uh, often have pre-agreed or you know, like as part of your project plan and pitch, 
uh, metrics that you're going to try and change? Like, is there is there like a, a, a performance measurement for your own service and or for the company's, you know, delta in performance based off the services you offer and, and the approach of process management as a as a you know organizational strategy? It's a very good question. So we definitely measure the processes with specific metrics, right? So mm, absolutely yep. yes. And um, you know it, the the thing is that you know you can have let's say we create a sales procedure, we definitely will assign sales metrics to them. But it is up to also, you know, we have to have well-trained sales managers. We have to have salespeople that are trained, et cetera. We do monitor it by metrics. Yes, 100%. That sounds – and so then let, let's talk about the iteration, right? Because you, you talk about, like, let's say something is maybe a little bit off, like, you know, the, the, maybe it wasn't documented the way that it, it actually needed to be. And, and when, you're, when you look back at it, the alignment isn't perfect, so you need to go and, and iterate on it. Uh, do you also do that um, – as you span other parts of the business, like how do you take one project in one part of the business and turn the lessons learned into other parts of the business? Like, are you growing into organizations or are they solving a targeted problem? And then you, so you sort of leave them with the skills they need to do this on their own. You know, I think both, both, because it, it really, okay. you know, we're dealing with people, we're dealing with organizations, right? We, there is no black and white necessarily to, to answer right. that because it depends what the problem is. I mean, if they, it's definitely empowering them so they can do it themselves so they understand what to do. If it's not, if it's a small problem, not a major one, but if it's a whole procedure that has to be created, then we have to step in. Right. And, and do you, just, I, I know this is really going back to the why, but do, do organizations normally call you up when they are having a problem or do you get calls from organizations preemptively or or what you, know, you you do outreach to organizations preemptively for like health checks to future proof the organization in case of a problem if they don't have one right now again the answer is both there is no just yeah. one answer it really depends on the leader of the company and how um, how much prediction they have how much they look into the future how much vision they have you know, are they reactive or proactive? So yes, mm-hmm. companies do come. I mean, you know, we work with companies that are not failing, they're succeeding, but they might be overworked and overwhelmed and they go, okay, I can't continue anymore mm-hmm. like that. I have to document. I do have companies that come to me with like, okay, my employee for the last 30 years is leaving tomorrow. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but basically like, I mean, I have it right <laughs> yeah, now, like a, an HR manager that has been there for years and years and she gave her notice and she gave two week notice, which is a problem. So then they contact me to come and document it. So we need to just like put so much resource, so many resources into it. So that's, that's more of the pain point. Right. But I also have many companies that we, they want to expand, right. They want to build the future. They want to sell the company, maybe make the company more sellable, different reasons. And then they, it's more, it's a calmer project because it's not putting off the fire or the emergency. The alarm is not going off that we have to shut it down. Right. So, so then uh, the last question, I know I've been sort of peppering you with these sorts of questions, but let, let's say you like unimpeded, we're, we're speaking to the generic silhouette of a leader. You're, you're saying, hello, uh, you know, the leader of a uh, leader of an organization. Here are, some symptoms or some signs and symptoms either in yourself as a leader or in your organization that would lead me to believe and should lead you to believe that it's time to call me your doctor 
what are some some, some symptoms? I mean, what's what's the cough? What's the you know, sore throat that this that this organization or this leader is feeling that says, okay, it's time to call a D and it's, it's time to look at process. Okay. So if you have an employee that basically keeps you up at night saying, well, if that employee leaves, then I have, my business is going to collapse because I have no idea what they do. That's one of them. Okay. Another one is you want to sell your business in three to five years from now, but you know that you know, there are proprietary things or things that you do that you won't be able to pass on. That's another one. You're working a lot of hours, more hours that you want. I'm not going to put a number to it because it's personal to everyone, but you can ask yourself the questions. The question, do I have time to enjoy what I want to do? Do I have time to actually live the lifestyle that I want? If the answer is no, you need to systematize. Um, when was the last time you took a vacation? That's another question to look at. You know, do you want to, do you want to take one? And you can. Okay. <laughs> what will happen if you leave your business today for two weeks, two, three weeks, and you come back? If the business is going to continue uh-huh. doing the same, great. If not, we have a problem. So that's another symptom. Um, uh-huh. Do you, can you train? I mean, you know, if the idea of actually hiring somebody tomorrow or next week, you know, is it something that worries you? Or do you feel like, okay, yeah, I can onboard them. I can train them. It's not going to take a lot of time. Let's do it. Or not. I don't know how to train them. I don't have the systems. You know, it's going to take me so much time. That's the, th- those are the things that I look at. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, and I think we got a very good comprehensive understanding of, of your approach and what the deliverables are. I really love the idea that you use multimedia elements in your documentation. And it's not just, whatever, a boring document. Um, and, and also JM to put another product manager hat on it. Why do all those expensive softwares don't give you a simple checklist? Wow. So I would definitely hand that question over to our product manager and say, make it happen. Oh, yeah. um, but I think uh, we want to have a little break. So uh, again, we'll play a little bit of music. But dear listeners, when you listen to this, well, think about your process documentation. Right? What do you have currently in stock? How comprehensive is it? Does it appropriately capture your procedures? And what would happen if key people won the lottery uh, or retire early or whatever occasion they have? And how can you make sure that that doesn't cause operational challenges for your organization? Uh, We'll see each other in a few seconds. And I'm curious about your thoughts. And we are back for the final conclusions and goodbye section for our episode. If you've stuck around this long, thank you for being here. And uh, Adi, this has been such a, a really fascinating conversation coming from somebody who's done this for a small business, you know, once. <laughs> it's really exciting to see how you've systematized things um, and you've brought it all together. And, and once again, thank you for being here. This is a really cool experience. And I'm hoping that a lot of our audience is taking a, a look at this from a different perspective, maybe not from the larger organizations they've worked at from but from the root level of what makes it important to capture process and how do you use that to effectively understand and help sustain a business and grow it and obviously um this is the time where the question comes up where how can we get more from from adi 
right? And I know a little birdie told me because that's how I found you and reached out to you. You run your own podcast. So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that and what listeners who switch over? And obviously, we'll put a link in the show notes, how listeners, uh, what listeners can expect from your podcast. Absolutely. So the name of my podcast is the System Simplified Podcast. And you can find it on any major podcast, um, and I guess not so major, on any podcast platform. So it's against the System Simplified Podcast. And in that podcast, I interview founders, entrepreneurs, thought leaders about systematizing a business. So I want to make it interesting to the listeners. So I, I like inspirational stories. So I interview founders and CEOs of companies that they actually systematize a business and were able to actually um, step out, you know, start a new business, live the lifestyle that they want because the business is organized. Um, another one, you know, so that's definitely people that I interview. And I also interview thought leaders that talk about different systems, so different processes. So if you want to know about how, what's the best process for selling the business or the best process for creating a safety culture or, you know, the best process for marketing or for posting on social media. So I, I try to make it very much so, so you, when you listen to the podcast, you will learn something and then you can implement it. So I love my podcast, love meeting all the people that I have as guests on my podcast. I've been doing it now for over two years and, definitely encourage people to listen to it. I definitely can share that experience. This is one of the, the really best experience that I had, you know, getting to know new people. They're all friendly. Everybody wants to share their story and their experiences. And I think it brings everybody a step forward. And I think that's the, the least that you can expect. But um, to come back to, to this, how can people reach you? You know, they can reach me on LinkedIn. So it's Adik Levit, A-D-I, and last name is K-L-E-V-I-T. Of course, we have a website, which is BizSuccessCG, CG for consulting group. So BizSuccessCG.com. Um, yeah, I mean, I, thought, I think those are the best ways. They can email it at at bsuccesscg.com. Yeah. yeah, we definitely will put all those links into the show notes so that, dear listeners, public service announcement, don't take notes while driving, right? That you can reread <laughs> the show notes and get all the contact information from Adi if you want to have her documenting your processes for your organization. That sounds great. And speaking of the show notes, uh, this is a thank you to our listeners and a goodbye for the show. We've had a wonderful time here. Adi, this was, a, a, as I said, a, re a real pleasure getting a chance to chat with you. And hopefully everyone else in the and out there in listener land has heard all, all these things and really enjoyed it. If you have some thoughts or feedback, feel free to hit us up on LinkedIn, um, which is a great way to communicate with us. If you comment on our posts, um, if you We would like to reshare them with your thoughts, even. <laughs> or you can e email us at hello at whatsyourbaseline.com um, or share it and, and give comments on all of our different podcasts or services, uh, podcatcher services uh, for all, all these things. And if you want to actually see some of the details for this, this show in particular, whatsyourbaseline.com slash episode 43, which is this episode, is a great place to go for that information. But until next time, friends. I've been J.M. Erlinson. Adik Levit. And my name is Roland Wolt. And we will see you in the next one.